Welcome to the Tier 1 Performance LV Podcast, where we help you find your inner athlete by discussing all things from fitness, health, mindset, optimizing performance, self-discovery, and growth. Welcome to the Mountain Goat Diaries, episode two, everybody. So today, I'm going to be talking and focusing um, and thinking back to my first ultra. So I put it in my mind about doing an ultra and just basically moving beyond, you know, just doing the, you know, standard marathon distance of 26.2. And for me, distance has always been something that I've been like that gravitate towards over just, you know, sticking to one set distance and trying to go for speed. It's uh, more about the challenge of, you know, how much can I push my body and, you know, what what are my true limits? And like anything, um, you never know until you give it a go. So I was browsing, you know, through, you know, the ultras that are out there. I've heard of a couple of the big ones like the Western 100 and then, you know, Leadville up in Colorado, and I believe that them two, you have to qualify or be lucky to kind of get in on a draw to even, you know, attempt that race. So for me, you know, I was just looking, which, what can I do and what's going to be a challenge? But also the two words that stuck out for me was beautiful and brutal. The beautiful part comes in, you know, just the scenery that you're going to be in and amongst so you know when you take a second to look around or you know as you're just on the move and you're just you know looking around you know there's going to be some beautiful scenery about that was uh one one thing that had to be ticked and the other thing was brutal now for me brutal plain and simple just say i was looking for a big challenge and there's many styles of ultras. There's many styles of, you know, marathon events, you know, all these types of events, there's different settings depending on where you do them, whether it's, you know, within America or, you know, around the world. And for me, I have a thing about mountains. I just love the challenge of the mountains, the beauty of the mountains, and also just having to respect the mountains and I kind of say earn the right to be amongst that terrain and to overcome that terrain. So the big, the one that stuck out for me was the Tushers Ultra. Uh, there was doing a hundred kilometer and a seventy kilometer. Now, not to big time it, but I'm a little bit of a tight ass when it comes to my money. So again, if I was going to run an ultra. I didn't just want to settle for the 70k and still probably spend about the same amount of money to, you know, register and do it. So I just said to myself, you know what, we're going to go in at the 100 kilometers. That was the furthest race that they would offer or the furthest distance that they'd offer on this particular event. So, yeah, it's 100 uh, kilometers. When I read up in the description, you're up in an area, again, known as the Tushers Mountains region up in Utah, and it starts off at the Eagle Point Ski Resort. The average elevation was, I think, 10,000 feet up to, basically, you was anywhere between 9,500 feet to, you know, like 
ten and a half thousand feet. That's the average elevation that you'd be at. So again, you're up at elevation, you're up and amongst the mountains. And just from the couple of short videos that I watched on YouTube, within like a 30 seconds of watching them videos, I was like, okay, this is the race for me. This is the one that I'm committing to. So signed up, committed to it. The date on the calendar was July 31st, 2021. I wrote myself a 16 week program and I stuck to the program and I trained very hard. I, you know, put a lot of time and effort into it. And as that weekend came around, the place of the race wasn't actually far from where I live in Las Vegas. So that was another point to why I kind of chose this race, because at the time, you know, just starting up a new business, I didn't want to be out of the game as in with my business for too long. And just for convenience of traveling, you know, reducing again, the expenses, you know, this, again, this was in driving distance. Um, just it didn't even have to get, well, sorry, we got like a cheap, you know, like a little motel room just to stay in, not that I spent many hours in there. But again, you know, like I said, it was just what's the most cheap, cost effective, but also ticks them boxes of, you know, a good challenge, being beautiful and brutal at the same time. And overall, just worth my time, you know, to go up there and do it. And this was the one, it was perfect. Um, so prior to the day of the race, I... I managed to get up there once just to get a feel for the terrain. You know, I hit a, uh, one of the major peaks and again, just got to soak in the scenery and just get a little feel for the ground that, you know, I'm going to be covering on the day. Um, it's always good if you can, I believe, obviously if you're doing it some sort of event, if you can get up there and get a feel for the terrain and just, you know, be aware of your surroundings you know, whether you have to navigate the area or not, I think it's always good to have a little bit of a, you know, we almost call it like the comfort. You've increased the, uh, you know, your awareness, your, and your comfort level. So on the day, you know, you may not be as panicked. You can be a little bit more relaxed. You can be obviously walking in there with confidence. So that was the key behind that. And also just to get out there. And like I said, from watching the videos, you know, this place is beautiful. If you, if you live, within driving distance, I'd say two to three hours of, um, again, the Eagles Point Ski Resort. Again, off season when, you know, when it's not snowing up there, I'd, I'd highly recommend getting up there and checking this terrain out. It is beautiful. And, you know, you can be out there for as long as you like and you can do some really hard stuff or you can just go out there for a few hours. And like I said, you will see some beautiful terrain. It's, it's, it's amazing up there. But, um, yeah, back on track. So... The training's done. I've got all my equipment. I've got my nutrition. I'm tried. I'm tested. I'm feeling confident or as confident as I can be without knowing, you know, what is up and coming. And up until this point, too, of taking on this event, the furthest and the longest event that I'd done in, in, in you know, in one go, as I'd say, was back in the military doing a, an endurance march on a course which was 60 kilometers. And that was very much of a different challenge because one, I was navigating myself from point to point. I had a 75 pound plus backpack on 
obviously on a military course so i'm in boots fatigues carrying a weapon you know and it's so it's a little bit more let's say tactical and again there's a certain time limit so a little bit more i'd say of a stressful situation compared to going into this now the biggest thing with uh, this challenge was this is going to be the furthest and the longest distance that i was going to be covering in one go or one like time so that was the biggest thing so that's again ticked another box of traveling into the unknown you know hopefully overcoming the challenge and through that challenge you know going within myself and learning more and coming out the other end hopefully with you know growth an enhanced level of awareness of what i'm capable of doing and again just a different and you know new experience so you know july 30th comes around me and my wife we drive up to utah we check into our little motel drop off our bags and then we drive up to the start point where I had to do a check-in. Uh, there was some emergency uh, kit that they have to check. So I think rain jacket, whistle, uh, you had to have like a GPS or there was this app on your phone that would qualify. So I downloaded this app and I had the routes all planned on there. So again, they check just, you know, some key things like that. And then you, you get your bib, uh, you get a few other little things and then it's literally grab some food. And then for me, as soon as we ate, I was like, you know, let's get back to the motel and, you know, kind of try and get a little bit of sleep, do my last little bits of prep, because I think the start of the race was around like, I think 6am or, you know, it was an early one. So July 31st comes around, it's the morning of the race, uh, where we were staying was around a 20, 30 minute drive from the start. So we're up at the crack of dawn. Um, getting myself ready, last little bit of kit check, making sure I've got all my equipment, all my um, spare equipment that I need that's going to be getting dropped off at the certain aid stations that I can get access to. And then it's just, you know, in the car, beautiful drive up. So basically Beaver is a small little, literally a town um, that's at the base of where the whole like Tushers Mountain region is and, you know, the ski resort so you know we drive up from there it's a you know long kind of windy road but some beautiful scenery as you're going up there and you know i find myself you know back at the ski resort which is the start line um once i line up you know i think all in all there's around 100 to 110 uh people who are starting for the 100k and we're the first ones to start because you know we're going to be out there the longest i think there was another uh, distance that was the 70 kilometers and then there was also a group of people who was doing like a, a marathon uh, route as you know 26.2 miles so there was kind of free races going on within you know one day essentially so we're at the start line you know getting hype everyone's getting uh charged up and then boom the horn goes off cross the line hit the start on the watch and game is on for me, this is the most exciting part other than finishing is because the process, I've talked about this, falling in love with the process and 
don't get me wrong. If you fall in love with the process and you love what you're doing with the build-up to getting to the start point of any challenge that you're looking to take, again, like I said, if you fall in love with that process, you can apply that to any type of challenge that's up and coming and, you know, you will hopefully achieve, you know, the same results, i.e. overcoming that challenge that's ahead. But also for myself, there's nothing better, especially when there's a race involved of any sort. Once you cross that start line and the clock literally does begin officially, it's like, okay, to me, it's game on. It's, 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 it's a weird thing that it's almost kind of like during the process, there's highs and there's lows. There's, you know, certain days you feel amazing after a session. Some days you just, you feel a bit beat up and you're like, oh, man, is this, is this going well? But then once the, once you get to the actual event for myself, it's like that adrenaline kicks in. It's like, all right, mission is on. We're in it. The clock is ticking. Let's go. This is what I wanted. And it's almost like every step forward from that moment, as in crossing the start line, means something you are going in the direction that you want and you're getting closer literally with every step to the finish and that's the place that i love to be is in the moment on mission getting stuff done and getting towards the finish i.e accomplishing and overcoming the challenge that's ahead so yeah i'm on the i'm at the start we're going we're starting in the pitch dark it's obviously early hours of the morning and all you can see is it's just you know it's the head torch train so i just kind of get on with a group that are going at a nice pace you know not too fast um, i'm not trying to again i'm not trying to shoot off and try and win this thing i totally comfortable with my abilities and i'm well aware that I am a novice within this uh, world of ultra running and I'm you know, pretty confident that there's going to be a number of people that are going to be ahead of me. So I'm not worried about them guys and girls. I'm, you know, if they're going, hey, they're gone. But um, yeah, anyway, I get on with this, you know, this huge train of people. There's about probably 10 to 15 of us. And, you know, it's, you're running on these little, you know, you're on trails, you're out, you're out there on the hills now. So it's almost like little sheep trails, you know, so there's not too much room anyway to get past people. So you kind of just get in where you fit in, follow along. And then when you get the opportunity, if you do want to get past people, you know, when the ground opens up, you know, that's when you kind of, you know, get past people. But at that stage, like I said, these guys are traveling at a nice pace. I'm happy with where we're going. And the other good thing too is, I don't have to worry too much about navigating. I'm just like, you know, letting the people in front do the work for me to a certain point. Once we get to the first aid station, about, I think about eight to 10 miles in, I've done this as I've come up previously, you know, when I did my training and I went up there. So I know this area, I know this route pretty well. And I know that, okay, this next stage, I'm heading up to Delano Peak which elevation wise is the highest peak of the race and it stands just over 12,000 feet 12,100 feet high and the first time I went up on my training and even on the day of the race when I was a little bit more aware of you know what was in store for me 
still managed to just take my breath away, i.e. the elevation, feeling winded, legs are feeling heavy. But one of the goals and one of the mindsets that I've developed is on hills, lean into it, head down, focus on your next step, dig your toes in and just keep taking small little steps and just keep plugging away. And over the time, you will end up at the top, catch your breath, and then, you know, you get to open up the legs and move on to the next thing. So again, this seemed to take a lot longer than what I was expecting. But again, worked my way up to the top. Beautiful scenery, 360 degree view of just nothing but beautiful mountains, green scenery all around. At the top, get to punch my bib, clock in, and then it's a smooth downhill to the next aid station. So I break into just a light jog, open up the legs, kind of relax into it and just let the let the hill do the work for me really as I fall down, you know, the hill into the next aid station. Now what I did from being a little bit of a novice and just being a bit kind of, let's just almost say too cautious of the clock. At the first aid station, I almost, I used the word breezed through. So I didn't spend probably as long enough there as I should. I didn't replen my water as much as I thought I'd need because I was just trying to, you know, save a little bit of weight by not carrying excessive water. And just again, my nutrition, I didn't eat as much as I should have done. So in the work that I'd done on getting to up to the top of Delano Peak, and then by the time I was reaching that second aid station, I'm not going to say I was fully fatigued, but I could just feel that my energy levels were starting just to dip just a little bit compared, you know, from what I'd ideally want them to be. So that was a quick wake up call kind of learning on the go of, okay, you know what? Every aid station, I need to spend a little more time there, you know, making sure I eat, making sure I hydrate and, you know, not being too much of a rush because again, this is an endurance event. It's not a sprint. It's not a quick race. It's an endurance event. And ideally my ultimate goal was to cross the finish line. I wasn't too bothered about how fast I was going to complete the event. Yeah. I'd given myself a rough goal of being around the 20 hour mark. Um, I believe the cutoff was 24 hours on this race. So obviously I wanted to be under 24 hours, but if I could get it around 20, I'd be happy with that. So second aid station, I learned my lesson and already quickly I developed uh, like my aid station kind of, um, you know, ritual of what I'm going to be taking. So pickle juice, pickle juice is great because high in sodium, good for the gut, but more importantly, with that sodium level, it stops you from cramping up which can be a thing when you're doing endurance events and your muscles are getting, you know, worked beyond for, a, you know, an extensive amount of time. So pickle juice became part of the nutrition there. Peanut butter and jelly and what is it? Strawberry. So peanut butter, jelly, strawberry slices. I'd never, ever had them until the day of this ultra and they became one of my favorite 
let's call it ultra foods. So from that point, every head station, it was pickle juice, two slices of the peanut butter jelly sandwiches, and then bananas, and then just um, a half a little cup of uh, Sprite. I think it was either Sprite or Mountain Dew, just whatever they had there, um, as well as some other things down the line. But I mean, they was like my main ones that I'm definitely getting them inside me. And then obviously just replumbing my water that I was carrying within my runner's vest while I'm, you know, out there between aid stations. So from aid station two, I've kind of I've got my ritual down now. I know exactly what I'm doing when I get to the aid stations and what's needed. And then I'm heading off, breaking into, you know, a nice little jog, um, not trying to overdo it by pushing too hard. So I'm, I'm going well. I get through the next aid station and the next aid station. And then the next main aid station was, I think it's called Bullions Point. So there was a bit of a climb up to this one. It took me quite a while. I spent most of it just power walking up, you know, saving the energy. And then once I got up to this, uh, I think it's called, again, Bullions Aid Station, it's like you're at the height of, it's not a mountain, but you're just very high up and you can see over to the other side. And where the other side is, which I'd not been this far in when I came up to train, it was called the Copper Belt Peak. So from that aid station, you know, the people there that are helping you like, yep, you're heading in that direction and you're going to be at some point heading up that peak there. So to me, you know, it's like awesome, cool. So as I'm heading off, I'm doing my nav check and I'm looking at my watch. And what I did was I put my watch at the lowest GPS settings to save, you know, the battery life. And what it had done is it had made it less accurate. So annoyingly which it wasn't too annoying because i was pretty much aware of it and i and i'd kind of clocked it so when i was looking at the gps like map that i had on my phone when my watch had me at around almost a halfway point so i think it was around 30 miles i'm looking at the um gps map and i'm looking at the amount of trail that i've done and the amount of trail that's left and even just visually, I'm kind of like, that doesn't make sense because it looks like there's way more of the route to cover compared to what I've already covered. But yet my watch is saying I'm halfway through. So this seed's planted in the head now. So as I drop all the way down, I think it's about two to three miles, you're literally just running down this like uh, dirt road, just keep going down and down to the bottom of this valley. And as I get to the next aid station, uh, the aid worker that's there, I ask him, I'm like, hey, mate, um, what mileage is this aid station? Like, what's the actual mileage if I'm doing the 100 kilometers? And I believe the guy was like, yeah, you're around like 22, 23 miles. So I was about anything from, I think, five to eight miles out from what my watch was telling me. So... I kind of like, you know, uh, I thought so within my own head. And then the other thing is I asked him, I was like, so I'm guessing we're going up that right there, like pointing up to the top of uh, the next peak, which was the Copper Belt Peak. And he, yeah, he goes, yep, yep, you're going up there, buddy. Uh, and I was like, cool, man. I was like, uh, how? I said, that looks pretty high to me. I was like, what's, how does this compare to Delano Peak? And he starts laughing and he's like, well, let's just put it like this. 
Delano Peak is the baby peak. This one is like level two. And then the final one that you'll do in like the last 12 miles of the race, that's like the daddy one. That's like level three. And I'll just like, that was one of them moments where, and I had many of these in the military where at that point, who knows, that might have broke some people because the thoughts that you initially had and of how well you thought you was going, I you know, I'd cover, thought I'd covered more distance or from what my watch was telling me. I'd also thought that during my training, that Delano Peak was the highest peak, which technically I wasn't wrong. It's the highest elevation, but as in the climbing that you'll do on the day to get to the top, it's not the highest climb. So again, kind of receiving two bad, bad pieces of information that's making my day seem even harder than what it already is. But I was already like ready for it. And like I said, from the military, we'd had plenty of these moments where things seem to get worse than what you'd originally planned for. And you've just got to kind of laugh in the moment and you've just got to be like, do you know what? Hey, who cares? It is what it is. Let's just go get it done. There's no point like whinging and whining and feeling sorry and dropping the shoulders. It's more about like, you know, puff the chest out and rub your hands together and say, all right, let's do it. That's why I'm here. So that's exactly what I did. And I, you know, I kind of went off with a little bit of a laugh and started same thing, head down, leaning into that hill, driving all the way up. Now, copper belt. This one was a beast and it was a long one, again, compared to Delano Peak. One of the best things that I remember, and it's one of the things that I love about the outdoor community, whether you're a runner, trail runner, hiker, you know, just out there walking. I've had some of the most positive things said to me when I'm out there doing, when I was out there, you know, doing my training and then on the day of this race from complete strangers, they will say the most positive things. It could just be a couple of words and it's just stuff that motivates you. Could be like, hey, keep going, buddy. You're killing it. You know, awesome job. You, what, you know, you're looking good. And all of the people that was obviously ahead of me as they're, you know, they've already reached the top and they're flying back down because basically you was going to go up to the top, punch your bib, turn around and go back to that aid station that I was talking about. So, yeah, as I'm going up and all the other people that are, you know, on in the same uh, boat as me as we're on the climb, all the fast people who are killing it, again, every single person said something positive and with every word that was said it gave me that initial like yes let's go like that little bit of fire that little more fuel added to the fire that motivation and that yeah man you know i'm killing it yeah i am doing good let's let's go and i'm very to myself and reserved when it comes to being in the outdoors um you know i'll say hi to people but i'm not one for you know doing the old yo let's go let's go and you know getting all hype and that but at that moment, when I reached the top and I turned around, I said to myself internally, anyone that I see that was in the same position as me, i.e., you know, coming up this peak, as I'm going past them on the way down, I'm going to make sure I say something that's just encouraging because, again, the energy that I received from everyone doing it to me, I wanted to be 
that just that little bit of energy or motivation to someone who, again, you know, when you're going up a big ass mountain and you're just looking up and it seems like it's never ending, just, you know, someone giving you that little spur of encouragement can be a huge factor and maybe a reason why, you know, that person just keeps plugging away. So I wanted to give out that same energy that I was receiving. And that's exactly what I did as I passed everyone just, hey, keep going, man, you're looking good, you're killing it, or, you know, awesome job, you're not too far, you know, all that good stuff, and then as well as, you know, getting on with my job. So, yeah, again, nice jog back down, got back down to the aid station, and then, you know, replammed, got back onto the dirt trail, back up to the, I think, Bullions, Bullions Canyon or Bullions Peak uh, aid station, and... At that point, that's when I was just over the halfway point of a, you know, of the race, which total was 62 miles. Um, so yeah, I'm about the halfway point here. And this is where I decided to do a big kind of admin. So I stopped there for like 15, 20 minutes, made sure I hydrated, got some good food down me. Because essentially at this point, I was very close to the furthest distance that I'd ever done physically up until that point. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure I prepped my body and I wasn't rushing it too much before I moved on to the next thing. So at this aid station, yeah, got a nice change, my t-shirt, got a fresh t-shirt on, got some fresh socks on, replemmed and I'm out and I'm good to go. At this next stage, it's pretty flat. And then I remember there was a little bit of a climb, but already at this stage, we're pretty high up. And we're kind of running through some sort of like meadows and you know it's just it's nice it's, it's like the weather's beautiful it's not too warm it's not too cold blue skies and again i'm just soaking it in and just loving all the you know the scenery that i'm coming across and then we've got a little bit of a climb and we're almost at like it's a, it's like a valley, basically. I'm on one side of this valley and there's a massive drop and obviously at the bottom there's a river and on the other side of the valley there's actually, you know, like a, it's like a small but big enough waterfall where you notice it and you can hear it. And as you're running, you can pretty much just see it the entire way. And now in my head, we are dropping all of this... Uh, Vert that we've got all this this elevation we are just dropping down like all the way down to the bottom so in my head as i'm running down at the bottom i'm looking at the other side and i'm thinking that's got to be where we're going up and this thing is that high and that big you can't even make out the trail it's just like all you can see is trees you can't see no trail you can't see anything it's just trees and a massive slope on the opposite side where, you, again, just in your head, you're looking over there going, yep, I am going up that at some point. And, yeah, so we drop down, finally get down to the bottom. At this point, the knees are starting to just, you know, hurt a little bit. My right ankle, sorry, my left ankle starting to hurt. And so I'm starting to, you know, just run a little bit awkwardly, not as smooth as obviously when I first started. But, you know, still plugging away, feeling good and get down to the bottom, make a big U-turn, get across the river and then get into the next aid station. 
and now at this aid station, I'm you know I'm I'm well prepared for what is up and coming. As in mentally, I know that there's a big climb on the horizon. So this is the daddy peak. So in my head, I'm just like, okay, get this peak out of the way, and you're literally on the home stretch. So it's the late afternoon now, you know, getting into evening time, starting to get a little dark, you know, the sun's setting. Okay, replay. Talk to the guy. Guy tells me, yep, it's about probably three, three to four miles up. And overall, it's a 4,000 foot climb. And the elevation at the top is around 11,680 feet. So this is about an extra, you know, 300 feet higher than the Copper Belt. And again, it's not as high as Delano Peak, the, the first one. But the climb up to the top from where you're starting, it's it's a it's the biggest climb of the day, and it's the final one of the day. So I think as I start the climb, I'm within 12 miles of the finish, which doesn't sound far. But after running, you know, 50 miles, you know, the legs are heavy. It's you know you've already done two big climbs as well as all the other little you know undulating climbs and the up and the downs. Like I said, the body's a little bit beat up, mentally getting a little bit fatigued. and But yeah, head down. And this route, it's like an old mining route that's no longer used. And it's pretty overgrown. There's like trees that have fallen down. And to be honest, this part is it's just miserable. Like you're, you, like you're in and amongst this overgrown like grass and bush and the trees and now because it's getting darker all these beautiful views are just disappearing this is the time where you start to get within yourself and this is really just like head down keep chugging away and at some point you know you will get to the top and you know essentially in my mind it was like just get to the top and it can only get a little bit you know easier from there so as the sun's setting, it's getting darker and darker. You know, every five, 10 minutes, it's like, you know, seriously getting darker now. So I'd probably say about 10 minutes from the top. I don't know how many feet. It's pitch black. Got my head torch on. And the thunder and lightning starts to kick in. So as I'm getting higher towards this peak, if you imagine I'm getting closer to the top and over to the left, all I can see in the dark sky and about one to two seconds away, you can just hear, you see the flash and then you hear the thunder. So you're already, you know, like within the, because of the, the time between, you know, seeing it and then hearing it, you know, like, man, this is close. And at the time, the heavens had just opened and... It's, the rain's coming in sideways. I've got my rain jacket on, which isn't the best of rain jackets. It's more like a water resistant. So once that kind of gets overwhelmed, which this rain was coming in strong, like thick and fast. And like I said, sideways with the wind. I was literally like a wet tea bag. And this jacket wasn't doing anything other than just kind of giving me a little symbol of comfort. Everything is wet through. But again, I'm just chugging away in my head. I'm like, let's just get to the top. Let's just get to the top. 
come across another uh, guy who's on the trail and we kind of like get together and we're just like kind of motivating each other and you know talking and just being like man this is crazy and all i remember is this this one guy he was just bothered about the thunder like the lightning and the thunder he was like, kept just saying oh man that's too close man i'm worried and in my head i was like i couldn't care less about the thunder and the lightning i just want to get up to the top of this peak drop down get into that aid station and then sort myself out and i'm like i'm in the home stretch and then because it's pitch black across the route there's like and it, this route um along the um along the entire race was very well marked out i'd use the word mong in it which is a, a military term mong in it just means where you you're not paying attention or you're not doing what you're supposed to do and i use that word because we we got lit well i got lazy with the route and i just assumed that we're on this like dirt trail and if i keep going you know we're gonna see a marker at some point so we finally get to the top and we're like awesome we're at the top all right this turn's got to be coming up soon and then Coswick's, I'm, I'm personally just excited that I've completed this, you know, this climb. And it's the last big climb of the day. I start to break into a jog because now in my head, I'm just like, man, I am pissed wet through. I want to get to the next aid station, get warmed up. And internally, you know, I'm, I'm kind of shivering. My teeth are starting to chatter a little bit. And I ain't going to lie, me personally from the years of being in the military and kind of being exposed to the cold, it definitely helped me to tap into some of them experiences and just understand that, all right, it's cold, but you know what, just keep yourself moving. As long as you keep moving, you're going to be good. And like I said, that next air station is coming up and we can admin ourselves and hopefully get dried off or at least just get out of the elements and get some soup or something warm, you know, inside to kind of get the core warm back up and, you know, get that uh, heat regulating around the body again. While I'm thinking about being at the aid station and monging it, we're, we're kind of jogging down now, you know, wanting to get there a little bit faster. And then one of the guys is like, wait a second, like we've been seeing a marker probably every, you know, 200 meters, 300 meters at most. We've not seen one for like a couple of minutes now. Something's wrong. So we pull out the phone find out where we are on our, you know, on the route from the GPS and we've overshot the turn. So if anything, you know, if it couldn't get better, piss wet through, still raining, totally dark, freezing now from head to toe. We turn around, we start heading back up the road that we've just been running down. So I'm like, awesome. This is just, this is just what I need. We find the marker that we passed that would have been on our right. Now it's on our left. And then we hit the next smaller trail that we should have been on. And then at this point, we start to head back down on, on the right road. And it seems like it's this windy road that's just like, there's trees either side. So you can't really see into the open area. And it, like I said, it's pitch black anyway. But you just you're just on this road and it seemed like a windy road and internally this was like my only time where it was like a you know a what the hell but a what the f moment 
And the guy that I was with, I was just like, dude, sorry, I just need to let this out, man. And I was just like, wow, oh, what the F? Like, where the F is this aid station, man? We should be there. And then after that, it was just like, whoo, all right, that feels good. All right, sorry about that, buddy. Like, I'm back. And then me and him just started. We broke into a jog. And there it was in the distance. We could see the light. We could see the vehicles. And we're like, okay, that's not far. Like, you know, we're talking like maybe half a mile max. When we get into that aid station, it was like an aid station party in there. There must have been about at least 20 plus people already in there soaking wet. There was two massive tents. There was the two ladies that was running it. And this is just for all of the people that was running the aid stations at this particular race. I call them angels because every one of them had a bright smile. They looked after you. Whatever you needed, they got you it. And they was on the ball. These two was like my, you know, guys, saving angels of the day because once I got in there, I was shivering. I couldn't use my fingers. You know, I was just, you know, like kind of wanting to curl up into a ball. I've got all my wet stuff off, put my um, like warm jacket on that. I had, well, a warmer jacket that I had on that was dry. And they had these two heaters in there. So what I did, there was already a swarm around the heaters. I couldn't even really get close to it, which probably was a good thing. So my goal was let me get my wet stuff off. Let me get them at least somewhere near the heater and like kind of hanging up so I, I can get some of the, uh, you know, the wet out of them. And then with one of the ladies, she just kept loading me up with soup. And I just kept drinking it as fast as I could, which wasn't very fast, but I was just trying to get it down me, holding it, you know, warm up the hands, keep myself kind of moving so I didn't seize up. And then while I'm sat there in my head, I'm like, right, I've got eight miles and I've done this route when I came up here. So, I, and we'd already done part of this route as in out at the very start. It was like part of the first leg. So just to bring you in this, the final aid station that I'm at, this was the first aid station of the day. So as I'm going back to the finish, basically it's the same route that I took on the way out. So I'm very, very confident and I know inside out the terrain that I need to cover and the challenge that's ahead. And again, for me, I'm like, man, this is eight miles and I'm not going to lie. I'm hurting, you know, not feeling too good. The other motivation was, I knew that my wife was going to be at the finish line. She'd probably been there a few hours now waiting for me. Phone signal wasn't the best. So it wasn't like I could just call her and, you know, be telling her, hey, I'm only this far away. I did check in, I think, a while back. And I was like, I should be finishing around about, you know, three to four hours from now. And then, so yeah, I knew that she was going to be there. And there's also this internal thing that me and my wife have. It's kind of a positive thing, even though it might come across harsh, but... I was like, there's no way I am not getting around this course because I'll never be able to live it down. And it'll always be something that, you know, in a way my wife could always bring up and internally, probably for the rest of my life, it would, you know, pee me off. So that was another motivation to uh, push on through. Once I'd got myself warm, the heaven gods was looking down on me and everyone else because the rain had stopped. So now it was, it was like, right, the rain stopped. My clothing had semi dried so I can finally get some heat regulating. And, you know, I was still a little bit wet, but 
again, you know, feeling way better than what I did probably like an, you know, 30, 40 minutes, you know, prior to that. The one thing that stuck out to me, so there was a guy, uh, Billy, we kind of been going back and forth, you know, with each other. And then we got to a stage where we was kind of like just working with each other, you know, chatting away and that while I was going around the course. So we was in at this final aid station together. And I said to Bill, I was like, dude, just give me a shout when you're ready to go, man. Let's, you know, let's get it. And he knew quite a few of the other guys and girls that was at the aid station too. So I think all in all, there's going to be about, I think either six to eight of us. And we was all getting ready to kind of, you know, you know, kit up uh, and then head out together and kind of push out the last eight miles, like working a little bit like a team. So once we were ready to go, there was probably at least 15, like I said, 15 to 20 people who was just staying there. And once we got moving, I was just like, I was like, oh, Billy, I was like, what are all them other people doing? Because they were there before we even got there. And he was like, oh, mate, they're, they're DNFing. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, well, yeah, they're, they're done. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, mate, they're not, yeah, they're done. They're not, they're, they're giving it up. They're, they're getting, they're going to get in the wagon and, or when the transport comes and yeah, they're done. And I was like, no way. And again, not trying to judge people or anything, but for me, I was just like, man, probably earlier on, if I was going to, that would have been when I was going to, you know, quit. But the last eight miles for me, I was like, guys, you're so close. Like, there's no way you can quit. But like I said, until you're in someone else's mind and going through what they're feeling, you know, it's, you know, you can't judge, you know, what what they're going through at that moment. But for me personally, it's like eight miles. I was like, man, I've done this plenty of times in the military before. Eight miles, I was just telling them, eight miles is nothing. I know this terrain. I've been up here building myself up. I'm with a little crew of people now. We're going to work it out together. And, yeah, I'm getting around. I'm, I'm going to see my wife at the finish line. So we set off. Everything's going well, you know, morale's up now, we're chattering away, we're going at a steady pace, you know, not too slow, but not too fast. And again, it was nice. I was kind of at the back of the pack and I ain't going to lie, I'm just you know, letting the other guys kind of take over on the uh, the navigating as such, even though it's, you know, it's a well-worn trail, but, you know, like I said, we're under head torch. So it just took a little bit less energy and thinking away. And we just chit-chatting, got to know quite a few of the guys and the girls very well within that group during that time. And I reckon probably after about six or so miles, so probably coming into like the last two miles, pretty much the finish line is in sight. And I'm like, said to the guys, because they started to move just a little bit slower for me. And I don't know if anyone's ever been in this situation, but when you're almost kind of walking slower than a pace that you want to move at that's comfortable, it's almost like you're using more energy to go slower. So I just said to the guys, I was like, hey, guys, I said, you know, I'd, I'd like to just, you know, I want to get this over and done with. And it was more like an internal like energy of frustration and kind of let me just get this thing done, man. I just want to get to the finish. And I just said, man, I appreciate you guys. You've helped me out a lot, especially to Billy. You know, me and him spent quite a lot of the the, um, the ultra, like crossing each other's paths and talking and motivating each other. And I was like, are you guys cool with me, you know, heading out? And, you know, I'm not trying to like, you know, shoot off and be the hero, but, you know, I just want to, 
get this done. And they was all cool. It was like, nah, man, you, you're cool, dude. Like, we'll, we'll see you at the finish. And I was like, cool, man. And then, yeah, I just had this extra energy. It was like, all right, two miles, let's go. Broke into a jog, it's nice downhill, cross the river, get into like this wood. And it's like just these little zigzags. And then there's a mini, mini climb. Then you take this left and you're dropping down this trail. And then I just know, right, run down this trail. Once I take this right corner, the finish line literally is in sight. Like I'm going to be physically able to see the finish line. Broke into a jog. Everything by this point is just hurting knees, ankles, back, you know, running awkwardly. Take that right. And I just could see the brightest light. You could hear some music as you turn the corner and you, as you're getting closer to the finish line. You know, people that are waiting there for you, they can start to see, you know, someone's coming. The noises start to get a little bit louder. As I'm getting closer by each step to the finish line, the energy is just going through the roof. I'm getting faster and faster. And I'm just like doing, you know, the old like Forrest Gump, throwing the arms and head and everything into it. And I just run and cross that finish line. And as soon as I cross that finish line, the only thing that was better than crossing the finish line and knowing that it was ended, I'd done it, all that training and everything that I'd put in that time, the sacrifice, that sweat, the tears, was you know, it was worth it, was when I just got to like fall into my wife's arms and I seen the smile on her face and the fact that, She'd probably been going through, you know, worrying, you know, how is he, where's he at, how's he doing, you know, when's he going to be coming? And then for her to see me and for me to see her and, like I said, to share that moment together, that was probably, you know, the best thing about the whole entire um, experience, you know, as well as, you know, overcoming and completing my first ultra. Um, I just remember, boom, I've done it then, you know, it's almost like, I don't know what it is, man. It's like physically, it's like the adrenaline just turns off and then it's like you got hit by a train. Just everything goes to 10, like as in hurting. And I'm just hobbling, grabbing some food, grabbing a drink. And then the one thing I said to my wife, I was like, babe, I'm going to sort myself out. But I said, I've got to wait for this group of guys. You know, I'm telling her about the final aid station and how we'd helped each other. And one guy in particular, uh, Billy, uh, who I've become, you know, good friends with and keep in touch with to this day. Um, you know, I was like, man, I just need to make sure these guys finish and, you know, that I give them all a hug and say thanks and everything. And, yeah, when I, I seen the group of the guys and the girls coming through, you know, cheering them in, you know, they're all having their little celebrations because, you know, I think they knew each other before the race and everything. But um, once they'd done that, you know, I went up to each and just went, you know, thank you, awesome guys, you know, I appreciate you and, you know, you helped me through. And, you know, they said kind of, you know, the same thing to me. And then me and the wife got in the car, headed back to the motel, um, had a few hours sleep that I could, and then literally got up early, tried to eat, felt hungry, but just couldn't physically eat as much as what I thought. Got in the car and then just like, let's just get home. Because once I'm home, then I can finally just relax and so this is what sunday get home sunday you know late morning spend the whole of sunday and i took the monday off work and then tuesday i believe or wednesday i was back at it and 
all through that Sunday and Monday, people, you know, all my friends and family and stuff, and obviously via, you know, social media, quite a lot of people knew I was doing this race. And this was amazing too, man, that like all of the praise that people was like, hey, you know, awesome job, man, you killed it, was proud of you. And, you know, it was amazing, man. And it was almost like the event wasn't over. Like I was still in that high because of all the positivity and just talking to people and, you know, people asking, how was it, man? Tell us. And, you know, you're just telling people the same stuff and which is amazing. And then once that died down and like I said, I think it was either Tuesday or Wednesday, I was driving to a client's house and the only person that knows this until now is my wife. I was on the the I-15, which is the main highway where you drive past the strip in Vegas. And I had um, the Jay-Z interlude on from the Black Album. And that doom, 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 doom. And then, like, once that beat kicked in, I just... It was almost like fireworks had been let off in the car. It was like that final chest out, like, F, yeah, like, yeah, I, I fucking, I did that, man. I've completed that, woo. And then it was, I think the adrenaline of, and the emotions had finally just broken through the dam that I'd been, in that wall that I'd put up. And, yeah, it all just got released. It was like if someone probably could have looked into my car, they'd have probably... You know, I was banging the steering wheel, I'm crying, I'm hands are in the air, I'm bumping my head, the music's up on blast. And I think then that's when it finally sunk in that, man, I'd done, I'd done this because I've been thinking about it, training and preparing for it for so long. And now it, it's done. It's it's finished. It's accomplished. It's, it's a tick in the box. You've proven to yourself that you can do a hundred kilometers you can do it up in the mountains you can do it at elevation you can go to them dark places you know that like i said trying to get over that final peak when the rain was coming in you've battled the cold you've battled the hurt and the pain of the knees and the ankles and the hips and you still managed to get through and then the best thing about it was sharing that moment with my wife at the finish and that's something that I can forever hold on to and remember as an experience and I just want to finish this up with a couple of things I finished this ultra it took me 21 hours and 11 minutes so from start to finish I was out there for 21 hours and 11 minutes whether it was power walking at aid stations jogging running up and down the hills the mountains Man, the top time of the day, 12 hours and 36 minutes. So the cool thing about this was, even though my accomplishment was amazing, there's some athletes out there that are just phenomenal at doing this stuff. And that's the thing that just inspires me and motivates me to continue to keep working, you know, to get better at doing this because... Like I said, there's people out there absolutely crushing it. And it's not all about time. It's about achieving and, you know, completing that challenge and the accomplishment. But again, when I look at them times, I'm like, man, 
okay, cool. Next time around, when I train for the next one, yeah, we can push it a little bit further and we can, the human body can be pushed way more than what you think. And the last thing I want to touch on is fun. Type two fun. This episode that I've just spoken about, this 100 kilometer race, ultra race in the mountains, this is the true meaning of type two fun. At the time you go through the highs and the lows of the emotions, whether how you're feeling, mentally being drained, your energy levels, depending on the weather, the terrain, where you're at, are you at the bottom of the mountain? Are you at the top coming down? Are you at your final mountain? Are you on the final few miles? Are you at the halfway point when you thought it was the halfway point, but it's not? There's all these emotions that you're gonna go through on the day and it might not feel like the best. And you may even question like, what the hell am I doing out here? Why am I doing this to myself? But the good thing and the key thing about type two fun is when you think back about it, whether it's internally or you come to something that might be similar to what you've done, it has a fond memory within. You have a happy feeling when you talk about it. And when you tell others about the story, especially for me, there's a different type of energy when I talk about certain things. And this is forever one of them memories and experiences that will stick with me until you know my dying days it's my first ultra it was my first mountain ultra one that i wanted to challenge myself and it lived up to exactly what i wanted it to be i wanted it to be beautiful which it was the scenery some of the things that i got to go through and witness was amazing the people that i got to meet on the day was amazing beautiful people and it was brutal it beat my body up it pushed me mentally and physically beyond anything I thought I could do. And it will be something, again, that it will stick with me. And to finish it off, out of them 110 people, 75 people finished, 30 odd, 34, 35 people DNF'd. And guess where I finished? I came 51st. It's like that's my favorite number. People who know me know it's my favorite number and they know why. And I placed 51st. What are the odds of that? Again, everyone, little bit of a long one there. Wasn't expecting it, but I just wanted to get them across. Hope you enjoy this. This is the Mountain Goat Diaries talking about experiences for doing things like ultras or being just out there and going for it in the outdoors. This is what these episodes are really about. And like I said, um, there'll be a couple of more coming along in the next few weeks as my training ramps up towards my 106-mile ultra happening in August. Again, appreciate you all. Thank you for listening. Benny, Tier 1 Performance, LV, the Mountain Goat Diaries, and we're done. <laughs>